Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Good morning, Sarah. Thank you so much. Uh, Barb, that was, again, you and Brian, another great segment. I just love the banter, uh, and happy Turkey Day to you guys. Um, welcome. Um, I am Amelia Antonetti. This is the Genius Hour, and uh, I am so grateful for those people who join us uh, every week from 8 to 9 Eastern Time. I am coming in uh, this week uh, from the West Coast, so it's a little early on this side, um, but I love bringing in a little bit of the West Coast flavor. I want to say good morning to Mr. Randy Jones. Good morning, Randy. How are you? I am good and and awake on the East Coast. So I always <laughs> consider that to be a good way to start the show if I'm I'm awake. <laughs> I just want to know is Alexander awake? That's it. I yes, just want to well, know. Well, Alexander, Alexander actually, no, literally the dog did the alarm went off. No, I'm serious. And the dog is a 66 pound Airedale. He loves Amelia. And he came in and he and I didn't get up right away. And he came in and he literally sat on my head. 
There you go. There you, you go. He's, you can he's working in my favor. You've seen Alexander, so I there got up because Alexander made sure I'm here. So there you go. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Sean James. Welcome. Hello. Happy Turkey Good morning. Day. Happy uh, Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, love the conversation that I just got through listening to, and um, glad to be here. Yeah, Barbara's, Barbara's great. I love listening to her and Brian banter. It's it's literally like what goes on at my kitchen table, right? So I'm like, they could just be my family because this is, this is the banter going back. We were talking about NFTs all day yesterday, all day yesterday. My family's like, that's make-believe. And I'm like, well, but it's making money. <laughs> So I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so I'm excited, uh, Randy. You put together a very fun hour uh, for us today because it is Black Friday, right? It's the biggest shopping day of the year. Um, and I love the twist. Um, so why don't you guide us just a little bit, Randy? I, I've put some notes together. I was reflecting over uh, the holiday about some of the biggest wisdoms uh, that I have learned. Uh, and so I am game to go. But why don't you kind of set the tone for us? Well, you know, usually Black Friday is a big deal and, you know, everybody's talking about their sales. Well, guess what? We are free. That's where I was coming from. Every Friday, we are bringing in wisdom. We bring it in for free. And we've, we're part of this extraordinary community, but there's that subset of people that are also here for us every single Friday. I know we talk about it all the time, how grateful we are to Breakfast with Champions for, for hosting this particular segment. We're so grateful to the people who come back over and over again. We wanted to do, we don't have a, a specific guest because we wanted to focus on gratitude. It's the day after Thanksgiving. We wanted to focus on wisdom. We wanted to focus on what you're grateful for and what you have learned through this experience and how you're applying that wisdom in your life. One of the things that concerns me the most for me, and I think I can share this with other people, is I, I have my own podcast, so I talk to a lot of people. I'm researching, I'm listening, I'm on this show, I'm listening, I'm taking notes. I love it that people are here, but I can literally go through a list of the guests that have been on the Genius Hour, and I can give you something I learned from each and every one of those people and how I am trying to integrate that into my life. And it, I just, I, 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 I don't want people here just letting it go in, in one ear and out the other and nodding and saying, yeah, sounds good, sounds good, sounds good. Make it sound so good that you actually act upon it. Amelia and I, and, and we're all about take the time and act upon it. So that's where we're starting from. We don't know exactly where we're going to go today. Well, and I was I was doing the same thing, right? I was really taking, you know, we've had some incredible guests and on on this hour and the just the the wisdom that they dropped. You know, I uh just finished reading uh Mark Victor Hansen's book um, ask, you know, and I think that there was a lot of nuggets in there, you know, Stephen Coulter, you know, I was looking at the stuff that the notes we took from his, from his hour, you know, and just really action packed. Um, I also want to give a little shout out to Miss Iffy, which I have not seen her in a while. Um, and I absolutely adore her. And the fact that she's on stage this morning, I just want to do a big shout out girl. I hope you are back uh, stronger than ever from COVID and feeling good. So I'm sending you a big lovingly uh, I know you're not doing Turkey Day over there, but big gratitude hugs to you, uh, girlfriend. So good to see you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. And thank you for all the lovely messages I've got. I'm back. I'm fighting. I've beaten COVID. Yay! We're so glad to see you. You were you were somebody we're always so thankful to see, and I'm glad that you are feeling better. Um, we were all missing you very, very, very much, girl. Um, so Randy, so, so do you want, so I, for me, you know, uh, we had a, I had a really interesting, um, uh, hour yesterday with, uh, Stephen Kuhn, my brother from another mother, um, and my back channels were just going crazy with people asking about, um, you know, how, how to lean into, uh, some really difficult conversations. And so, you know, all of that is, is, um, it's what we do here, you know, um, with Glenn and Sarah, you know, Breakfast of Champions, is we share those real 
time experiences and demonstrate how we move through them, you know, how to lean into conversations where we get stronger through those conversations on the other side. And so I think it's going to be very interesting. So, um, Sean, I'll put you on the spot here a little bit. What What is something that, um, as you look back over this year, is there something that absolutely becomes captain obvious on your greatest lesson that this year taught you? Yeah, I would say, um, um, abundance of, of, of what we're talking about wisdom, you know, what is wisdom and how can we take someone else's experiences and apply it to our own lives? Um, I think for me, um, it's, it's really, a matter of owning your own mistakes and showing that you've learned and evolved from almost anything that happens to you. Um, Cause I think society gives you a second chance. Um, and I believe uh, apologizing um, to yourself and to whoever you've hurt um, is a, is a, is a, is a big step to, to healing. And, um, but I think that you have to be very sincere to the, the apologies that you've made to yourself and to someone else. Um, I think that's really been the biggest takeaway from 2021, um, uh, just figuring out how to move through a time frame that, you know, kept us in for almost a year, um, reactivating what it is to get back into the real world, um, meeting people. I think the event that you had at your home was, was, a, was a breakthrough thing for me, just to meet some of the people that I've, that I've, uh, that I've met on this platform. Um, that they're real people and they have real smiles and real emotions and real feelings. Um, but I think the biggest thing um, would just be uh, be able to apologize. Um, I think people don't think about how powerful it is to apologize um, to people that you've hurt, um, to yourself, and uh, know that it has to be sincere. And, you know, what I always say, you know, what can I do to, to fix the problem? Um, and then what can I do to, um, to move forward? Um, I think it's extremely important. I think also, um, I think what's keeping you safe is keeping you stuck. Uh, you have to get out there and get things done. I think wisdom is action. Um, it's taking the things that you've heard from others and applying it to your life, but really acting on it. You've got to actually move. Um, I think people hear things and they become memes and, and we could say it to ourselves, but if we don't activate ourselves, uh, we don't really um, move forward. And that wisdom doesn't become wisdom. It just becomes something that you've read. Um, I think also turning fear into fuel. Um, you got to be, you know, everything that you're fearful for, use that as fuel to activate moving forward in your life. Um, and that means actually taking a step. Um, imagine someone being behind you and someone pushing in the center of your back. You got to take that first step or you're going to fall on your face. That's conquering fear. Um, and then uh, don't overcomplicate things. Ask questions. Um, I think that's what I've learned more about this room than anything is that we complicate a lot of things in our heads and the answers are out there. Um, you know, that's what I love about Glenn's room and Breakfast of Champions and all the things that we hear is that, you know, curiosity is everything. Being curious to know how things work, um, you, you gotta ask questions. And uh, the more that your mouth is, is closed, the more that you don't get fed. We got to feed our brains and feed our minds and activate those things by moving. I love that. And I want to just touch on something that you said. Um, I did a, um, a little kind of quick little training on when you on, on uh, for some people about an apology. Um, somebody opened up a room and asked me to come in and talk about the behavior around uh apology and i so we're actually not taught how to apologize right we kind of do apologies by default um and i know a lot of people believe that when they say i'm sorry um that is their definition of an apology when in actuality actuality um behaviorally it is not um an apology starts with the awareness um that there is something that you could be doing differently and that you're participating in an outcome that's not working for you and for somebody else. Um, then it's taking responsibility. Then it's saying, accepting the responsibility by saying, 
wow, hang on. I think I need to apologize for something that I am doing. Um, and then it's going into the intention, meaning that I am so sorry. My intention was not to hurt you. And it and it's becoming very clear that I have, right? So accepting the, the, the responsibility, acknowledging, witnessing the pain uh, that's being caused, whether um, you know, you intended or didn't intend it, but to, to state the intention that it wasn't or it was for some reason uh, intentional. And then to be able to say, okay, and this is the healing part, um, I am so sorry. I take full responsibility. I did not mean to hurt you. I can see that I have. Um, I did not mean that pain. And here is what I'm going to do differently next time so that I do not repeat this mistake again, right? Because a lot of people apologize and then just keep on doing it, right? So it's throwing that salt in the wound. And so saying, here is what I'm going to do differently gives the other person an opportunity to acknowledge that what you think you're going to do differently will work for them or not. And this is usually where the unintended pain gets stuck because I think, okay, I'm really sorry. I apologize. I take full responsibility. I didn't mean to hurt you. I can see that I am. I'm very, very sorry. And next time I think what I'll do differently so I don't make this mistake again is I'm going to do blah. And then that person goes, but that's not going to work for me to give them the opportunity that what I think is the solution is not the solution so that we can agree what the solution is so that the pattern doesn't repeat. That is actually the sequencing of an apology. And if more of that happened, especially being the witness to the pain, to acknowledge the pain, to accept responsibility for the pain that you inflicted, whether you intended or not, and to come up with a solution on how the, this isn't going to be repeated is something that we have to practice. Um, so I put that out there for just a moment and let yeah, that land. I would, I would like to re respond to that because I, I think that's really a very good way of looking at uh, a lot of just to your point, the behavior. We have not been taught um, to apologize. Um, a lot of times that's fear and a lot of that is based around um, not having the skill set to own it, fix it and learn from it. Those are the three things I go to, right? Um, when working with children, these are the first things that we're taught. You got to own the mistake, fix the mistake, and learn from it. Um, and I think a lot of that's based around the word kindness. Um, people think kindness is weakness, and it's really strength. Um, all of our thoughts manifest from a, a physical outward behavior. So kindness is the ultimate strength to anything. And I think, you know, that's where we miss that connection. Um, it's like, well... I, to be kind, you have to own it, fix it, and learn from it. But if we don't understand that kindness is strength, you're actually being a stronger person when you're kinder. And you have the ability to understand that you've made a mistake. And I think that's something that I really feel that we do not work on and we do not know how to uh, implement as a skill because it's something that you have to work on. These are all behaviors. And if they're behaviors, that means that they're learned and that means that they can also be unlearned. So a lot of that's based around um, like going to the gym, the repetitions. You have to understand what kindness is. Um, I think you have to understand what to, what, to, what to own and how to fix it. But more importantly, what did you learn from it? I always say, don't tell me what you hate about a situation. Tell me what you've learned from it and tell me what you loved about it. And, and that really gives you the understanding of what kindness is. Amelia, can I pop in and make an observation about relating kind of to how I started, but what you just did for me? I would love that. Please, <laughs> welcome. My thing, as I stated before, don't just nod, take the information, become better. I'm so thrilled that I'm in a situation where I'm actively participating in my life. I'm actively listening to people. I take notes. I never read a book without a highlighter. I'm actually becoming a better person over the years because I'm taking action and making an effort. You have just now, because I'm paying attention and I'm writing this down, I'm big on apologies too. I don't know why people think it's so hard to do. I don't think apologizing is hard to do. I never expect someone to grovel. I never expect them to feel shame when they apologize to me. Because as soon as they feel shame, 
they feel awful and they can't do it. But let me tell you, the new, the, the way you've now changed, because I'm paying attention, you've changed the way I will apologize. I would not necessarily have thought next time I'm going to do X. You've added a component to my ability to apologize effectively when I make a mistake by, by and I've never really thought of, of adding the next time. This is the solution. So you've already today, because I'm paying attention and I'm grateful to you for doing it, have been able to make my apologies more meaningful moving forward. Oh, I love that. And I will, I will tell you that, you know, this is something, you know, I, I practice what I preach most of the time for me anyway, somebody may have a different reality when I say, okay, this is what I'm going to try to do differently. The other person goes, no, that's not going to work for me. They appreciate you're going to try to do something differently, but that's still not going to work for me. And now you're actively participating in a solution and problem solving. And when you do that, when you go through this sequencing, you deepen the substance of your relationships by tenfold by tenfold, because you're now designing the relationship together um, versus just leaving it by default. And that's part of the problem that we have in relationships as a whole is we just guess that's what the other person um, is wanting or getting out of the reaction. We guess. We actually don't design the relationship. You know, what's in it for you? What's in it for me? Where where am I strong? Where is my adding benefit? What are, where are you strong for me? Defining those relationships is what causes the relationship to not only sustain, but really bring that big exponential value to it. And we're just not taught. That's all it is. We're just not taught how to set up those parameters of the relationship. You know, yesterday I spoke with Stephen Kuhn about the transition when a relationship has changed. How do you transition from one relationship that could be a business relationship to a personal relationship or from an intimate relationship to a colleague relationship? But how do all those transitional uh, behaviors happen so that you don't leave a relationship just hanging out there undefined? How do you transition? Um, and Stephen and I were sharing about how we were transitioning relationships that we currently were in. And there were so many questions on the background about like, how do you do that? And I think that's the beauty of wisdom, right, is to be able to get closer to people that are practicing the things that add value in your world and then learn how to do them for yourself. And it does take practice, right? Um, but I think the apology that Sean was talking about is dead on. I see so many sloppy, sloppy apologies. And then people wondering why the relationship isn't strong because yeah. they don't have the tools. Yeah, I would like to add to that. I, I think what you just said is awesome. Um, I, I also believe when you think about that apology, it's not the act that defines you, it's the response. Um, I think when we think about things that have hurt us, um, society always gives people a second chance based off your response because your response defines your credibility in every case the way that you react to something will always define the person that you truly are and i think response also you know they produce remedies right in in the way that you move forward to, to your what you just said amelia like sloppy reactions sloppy apologies sloppy apologies and in, in the way that we do things aren't going to make things better. They're actually going to make things more complicated. So the reaction is, is, is more important than anything for you to get a second chance with anyone. And it's your credibility and it's the way the world sees you, not the act, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a former NFL player and I always tell these guys, I said, listen, society will look at you for something that you made a mistake on. For the most part, the way that you respond to this will be ultimately the chance for you to get a second chance. Because if you don't react in a way that society wants you to, to know that you are sincere about the things that you've done, people will not look at you the same. But if you react in a way that people say, wow, this guy made a mistake, he owned it, right? He fixed it. And now what is the, what is the opportunity for you to get better? And I think that we miss out on that. Um, it's something that I've been working on for the last 20 years of my life is how I react to people, how I don't respond, but more importantly, when I do respond, are you, is your credibility um, something that people see that will move the needle to move forward in a relationship or not? 
So I, I, I truly believe that. And I think that's where the power comes in. I really think that's a power that comes in because then you're really understanding how your frequency and energy is impacting other people. And it's never what you assume it to be. If I can stress that enough, it is never what you assume it to be because there's always something going on. And when you have these conversations about what actually caused the hurt, it isn't what you think it was. And that allows both people to participate in the design of the relationship by really understanding what created that ouch point. Um, I'll tell you as a mother, um, this happens to me all the time. When I actually hear what caused the pain for my action with my kids, what I think it was isn't what it actually is. And I think that's what helps you really start to learn and grow with somebody and understand who they are. Um, if, if anybody would like to um, chime in, I know there was a big... Hey, listeners. If you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorningfive.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Conversations yesterday, but if anybody want to flash their mic, if there's any uh, questions uh, in this conversation, we would love to take this opportunity to answer anything about behavior, uh, what we do here at the Genius Hour conversation we had yesterday. But please just flash your mic or just chime in. Amelia, can I? I want to. I want to go one quick place that's related to this because I've always wondered and sure. I've never asked anyone this. What about the people that over apologize? I have so many people in my world. I'm so sorry I called you so early. I'm so sorry I did this. I'm so sorry. They they put an apology into every request they make. And I repeatedly, I'm the last person, as you know, that you need to do that to. If somebody's calling me at eight o'clock in the morning, it's because I've told everyone I work with, call me anytime you need me. I'm fine. And, right. they, but I'm, a, and I, I'm correcting people going, don't apologize, don't apologize, don't apologize. Why do people do that? And how do we make them feel better about themselves or whatever to keep them from offering apologizes, apologies for their every move? Yes. Well, that's, first of all, that is not an apology, right? So that's noise, right? That is, that is an I-centric. Um, the translation of that is I'm really going to do what I want to do, and I'm just going to use a one of those little buffer statements so that I can just you know, push on boundaries and actually be rude. Um, so that is all work that needs to be done for them on their side. So that is a red flag um, in my world because nobody needs to be walking around apologizing for themselves, you know, seven by 24. So it has become a placeholder um, or a connector statement. Like when somebody is thinking and they use the word um or uh and what that stutter, it's really out, out loud thinking. Um, and so when somebody apologizes in a place where it is unnecessary, the power of silence and pause to say, help me understand what you're really apologizing for, because I don't think it's about calling me at 8 a.m. Actually, I can use that. I have one person in my life who I think, uh, who apologizes a lot, who I always say, don't, that's not necessary. I'm here to help, I'm here to help, I'm here to help, who I think is doing it from a place of insecurity but I am, and I would like to go there with this person and say, "Hey, you do this. Let's explore why you do this. It's just not necessary. I'm here to help. So, thank you. That was a that yeah. you'll help me." And, and calling it out, right? Just saying, listen, yeah. this really makes me feel uncomfortable when you overly apologize. And I'm not clear, I'm not clear on what's happening. So I want to explore it with you to make sure that I understand that I'm serving you properly because it seems a little bit unnecessary. So can we take a moment to understand what is it you're really apologizing for? Because it sounds to me like you're apologizing for your existence. And I really want, that's sad to me and I want to help serve yeah, you. Yeah, I hate that. I, and, yeah. I, and this person has nothing to apologize for. Thank you. That yes. was really, really, really helpful. Thank you. Amelia, I'd like to add to that because I think what you said is, is perfect, but it's also awareness, self-awareness. Um, you know, maybe look at that person and say, are you aware that you're doing this? Because um, you might be able to help them in the, with other people that they communicate with. They might lead 
with saying that to everyone they open a, a sentence with is I apologize for this. I apologize for that. And it, it is something that they may, may not be aware of. So um, that awareness and self-reflection of, of them knowing that they're doing it um, could really help them move forward uh, with relationships that they have, because they might do that. If they do that to you, they do it to other people. And I love that, right? And and a real relationship, right? A win-win relationship is about growing together. So the awareness to say, listen, I love you so much. I really want to bring this to your attention because you're depowering yourself and it's not necessary. So maybe it's a habit that you're unaware of, right? So learning to have conversations of equal respect, to lean in, to grow together. I mean, anybody who knows me, I say this all the time, together we rise, right? We rise together is by learning to have these communication starters for people that you want to invest in who are investing in you. We just lack the training for these conversations. Hey, Amelia. It's Bobby here in the second row. I just want to ask you a question about authenticity just because I, I love what you're talking about. And what is it about this app where if somebody's like just not genuine, you know, like in their behavior, we can tell. It just it really bothers me. I, and I don't know why. I just wanted to know if you had any insights about that. Well, first of all, Bobby, welcome. And I am so glad you jumped into the conversation. I love listening to you speak. So thank you so much for being here, first and foremost, because I get very excited. Um, you know, the app, it, 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 remember, for everybody, for every one person that is using this as a resource and a tool um, of real connection, there is a boatload of people that are using it from an egocentric standpoint, right? Really to hear themselves talk, to really try to self-medicate, to make themselves feel better on some fantasy that does not exist, right? Those imposters. Um, and so you gain the tools, right? And you have a good spidey instinct, right? You, you get the sensation that the person that's talking is about them and it's not about really serving the people that are listening. Um, the beauty of, you know, Glenn and, and Sarah have taken so much time to really try to select uh, people who participate because we're really here to serve, right? I really, truly want to touch and help somebody, you know, with what I've learned or a skill that I've learned. It's about you. It's really about you. I'm, I'm here because I want to touch that one person to go, wow, I didn't realize that. Now I can take that ball and run with it. It has nothing to do with me at all. Um, and again, anybody who knows me knows that that's how I show up in the world. It is about you. It is about you, the listener. It's about the people and the relationships that I have formed on here that I am so very, very grateful for. Um, and we bring guests that have been important in the Genius Key world here every hour um, on Fridays to try to share that wisdom with people who are in our network that I believe are valuable. And so I think that that's what you're picking up on. There's some people that are actually just talking because they're serving themselves and it has nothing to do with the tension of this room and so many of the other rooms. Um, Bobby, how does that feel for you? Yeah, no, I think you nailed it. You know, sometimes I think I'm a crazy person because I'm like, why are there some people where I'm just like, I lean in, like Emily Lyons, right? Who I just love, one of my best friends now, right? Every I so she, love her. It just comes from her soul, right? Like her heart, like it's really just like, Yes, like you're such a real human being. And then there's other people. I, I've never slammed anybody publicly on this app and I won't, but they just speak and I'm like, I like creeped out. Like some people I instinctually, I like literally have to lower the volume all the way down because it's, it's like those nails on the chalkboard. And I think it's just that, you're right, it's that self-serving. Yeah, but you see them at parties though, right? Okay, so like in real life, you go to a networking event or you go to a party or even even uh, Thanksgiving mm -hmm. yesterday and the person who comes in and they're like, oh, me, 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 and it's gotta be me. Let me bring the attention to me. I, they jump in conversations and they make it more about me. You know, the whole thing's gotta be about me. And if it's not about me, then they don't wanna participate. I mean, we've been to parties where you're like, ugh. There's things that I use, Bobby, um, that that I do this with interns, I do this with anyone I hire. Um, you know, I always say this, what are the self, what are, what are, are you able to articulate and be as detailed on the negativity as you are the positive? 
And a lot of it, a lot of times people pause because we're so used to promoting ourselves to your point, that feeling of like, oh my God, this person just likes to hear themselves talk. We, we don't have an understanding of self-reflection and self-awareness. And then I'll say, what, what are your self-perceptions of how other people feel, see you? And what do you think they feel when they see you? Um, you know, that's two. And then my third one would be, what would be the first thing that people get wrong about you? Um, and what that does is it allows people to be uh, aware of their self and not promote themselves so much, but think about how they're making people feel. Um, so those are three things I use um, to your point about what it is to be authentic. I think it's really about the way that you make people feel. I mean, one of the gifts and what I know I have in, in, in my own life is, is I try to create safe spaces for people to flourish. And that means that I'm always, my head's always on a swivel to make sure that people are present. But more importantly, that I'm aware that people, wherever people are in my life and how I know that I can make sure that I can empower them. And uh, a lot of people don't care about that. It's not important to them. Did we lose Amelia? I'm not sure. We I might just have. saw her jump. I don't know if she's gone. <laughs> I, I just looked for her. Chair. I just removed and it her was from gone. the room. <laughs> You know what, I can jump in and race that while we find Amelia. Or is she back? Is she back? No, I jumped in the reset. Sorry, that was me. No, please do. Go for it. Uh, or I can as well. We, we find her. What's, what? Well, why are we, uh, uh, say, we're waiting for Amelia, does anybody else want to jump into this conversation? The goal for the day was wisdom, uh, what we have learned, what we're grateful for. Uh, and what we want to share and what we want to bring up and how we've used it in our lives. So if somebody else wants to jump in while we're waiting for Amelia to reappear, please do so. All right, Hi, this is Dr. Oh, go on, sorry. Go on. Hi, this is Dr. Zakia, and this is a very interesting conversation. One of the things I've learned, I will say this year, is how to accept an apology that was never given. <laughs> uh, I will say that again. There's family members and maybe, you know, colleagues or just clients who have done something that was hurtful or um, just negative, but they've never issued an apology. So I would love to know how do you all navigate that space where something has been done where you feel that you were older in apology, but you never um, received it. Um, I'm a woman of faith, so I kind of just pray and um, let God handle it. But I will sometimes, of course, I have to address it. But the apology you never received, how do you navigate that? I would love to hear your approach. Thank you. For me, now, different people are going to have different opinions about this. I'm aware when someone owes me an apology. Somebody owes me an apology uh, right now, and I'm never going to get that apology. I have to understand that's a shortcoming on their side and not on mine. That's, I, I, I have to let, and I'm not, I got to tell you, this is for me. That's hard for me because I'm a person who has a pretty high benchmark for how I expect people to behave around me. So it's very hard for me to let things go like that, but I've had to learn to do it because they're in a, Ability to acknowledge the mistake, acknowledge their participation, acknowledge what they've they've done, it's that's on them. That's a fault on their side. That is not a fault on my side, and that's certainly not a fault on your side. Sean, do you have a thought on that? Yeah, I, I truly believe if if you don't let that go, it's going to create resentment and it won't allow you to be free yes. of it. Um, and resentment is something that, you know. Um, it, it, it can it can torture you um, if you're thinking about what you need from them um, and you allow that to manifest in your head you got to lean back on that faith that faith is going to be the navigation for you to move forward while they're still stuck um, and I think that as long as you know um, I always say this know before whom you stand and I'm going to make sure that you know that I know that you've wronged me that'll allow you to be free of that because when you are free of the resentment that literally can manifest and become a cancer through your entire body, you won't be able to move forward. So I think that would be the best answer for me, uh, just to know that um, I've lived with resentment that tortured me and wouldn't allow me to become who I am today. 
based off not getting the respect or getting the apology or getting the things that I know people have harmed me from and I needed to let it go. So allowing it to be, be free of it and move forward will always lift your spirits and allow that faith that you believe in to take you to better places. I, I saw something recently and I'm gonna paraphrase this, but it was in a book and I think it was in Rob Shooter's book, The Forward Answer. And I think it was Carrie Fisher, resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And I know I totally paraphrase that, but wow, because I can resent people and I'm not proud of that, but I acknowledge it. And I read that and that really, really worked for me. That really worked for me. Thank you for your question. Anybody else want to jump in? Hey, Randall, it's uh, Norman here. How are you? Hey, can Norman, you how are you? Good, good. Um, I'm just been listening to you guys and thanks uh, for having me up here earlier. Uh, when Brian and Barbara on Happy Thanksgiving. Um, quick thing, when you're talking about the part of, you know, everybody apologizing and, you know, when you said the resentment, are we doing it in our life to be accepted and to move on? Also, I, I think when we're all, you know, kids and we tell our kids now, we say to them, you got to say sorry to your brother, your sister, your grandmother, your uncle, your aunt, whatever it may be. And... Is it something that was, we were younger, embedded into our head, that that is the right thing to do, which it is, but does the other person really take that as an acceptance and they move on, not as a resentment? And are they authentic to what they say to the person or are they just doing it like you saw the person, you know, say, oh, you told me to, you know, screw off. I'm like, well, why'd you say that? Well, you're wrong. Then you say, I'm sorry. And you're hoping, saying, that's good enough. I mean, they probably have so many record hits of I'm Sorry on the market these days. It's a good song and music to listen to. But my thing is wondering, you know, uh, we say it a lot, but how is it accepted to be meaningful to somebody? Or are they just doing it to get out of this situation? I, you know, I think you can tell. And I think authenticity is the new word. And, and not new, but in the last few years, we've talked about authentic yeah. over and over and over again. I can tell, I think, and I'm sure some people snow me on it, when somebody actually means it. And I, I'm going to reflect back to Amelia's beginning discussion on apology is, are they taking those steps that she described? Are they acknowledging? Are they taking responsibility? And the new part that I haven't necessarily been good at doing is, are they saying next time? And I think if you if they're if those steps are absent, oh, I'm sorry, you're gonna know it's not really sincere. But you know, that's the best some people can do. I, I think you have to look at the individual sitting across from you, and if that's a person who has never apologized to another human being in their entire life and you got them to do anything, that may have been the hardest thing they've had to do in a month or a year. So I think you have to look at that apology in terms of who is it coming from? Was it authentic? And okay, maybe not the best apology, but wow, that was something coming out of that person's mouth. Sean? Yeah, I would I would say, you know, I go back to my three things, own it, fix it, and, and learn from it. Um, I think there's three different ways to understand uh, an apology is based off the, the reaction, the intention. So there's a mistake, there's mischief, and there's mayhem. Um, when we understand that we've made a mistake, we need to understand what the mistake was and what were the intentions, right? If someone just makes a mistake, um, I think, especially with children, we need to make sure that we say, why are you making this apology? And if they understand why they're making the, the apology, it does resonate into both brains to understand that, that the intent was not to hurt anyone. Uh, mischief is when you're just acting out, right? That's when you're just being bad because you want attention. Um, and then mayhem is based around your intentions are to hurt someone. It is to get back at someone. It is a response based off, I want to hurt this person. So those intentions are based around the movement and in, in, in the relationship of if it's a brother or sister, if it's a stranger, or if it's children playing on the playground, 
we have to identify that right in the moment so they understand why they're apologizing. Because if they don't know why they're apologizing, then they're just doing it based off, I can get out of this and it's, it's, it's another way for me to move forward without getting in trouble. It's another way for me to play without having to sit in the corner, whatever it might be. But we need to make sure that we understand why we are doing what we're doing. And I think that applies to adults. Like we need to understand why we've hurt someone. And the only way that we can understand why we've hurt someone is if we ask, what did I do to make you feel the way that you feel? And to listen, you know, that's the key word. You need to listen to what the response is. So that would be my take on that. And Miss Amelia has returned. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, one last question with Sean here. Sorry. So you're saying it's Norman again. The ask would be the understanding of the apology, more or less. Because me, I, I asked my son and daughter, they're twins, and like you know, the other day he decided to give her a little smack, and I said, no, you have to apologize to her. But saying to them, do you understand why that is, would be more uh, understandable to both of them. I would ask, why did he give yep. her a smack in front of both of them? <laughs> I would say, I would say, okay. what made you? What made your? What was your reaction? Because remember, the reaction's yep. always going to get you a second chance, right? So, what was his reaction? Ah. What action took place for him to react that way? Because that's where the secret sauce is. The secret okay. sauce is in the reaction, and then he would have to say, up. He would have to stand up put his chest up and his, and his shoulders back and say, I reacted this way because of, and then that's the secret sauce. So now uh, your, okay. your daughter has the opportunity to understand why he reacted the way that he reacted. And then you can go into the whys, right? Why are you making this apology? Do you feel that what you did was right? And that's when you have an open dialogue. That's when the learning starts. Okay. No, I appreciate that. It's going to be helpful now. Because, uh, you know, um, she did hit him back, by the way. But <laughs> besides that, <laughs> she had, she's a tough cookie, the twin. But, but uh, that was the appropriate reaction to go back to them. But the thing is that, you know, I, I appreciate what you just said there. Now I can sort of dig into them and say, you know, why is the, yeah. you know, is the question to it. Thanks, guys. Because, yeah, because and, oh, yeah. and, and then I don't oh. know if this has already been said. Ask them both to come up with three other ways other than using their hands to communicate their message. What are three different ways that they can use other than their hands? That's a good one. <laughs> you oh, gave me some I have, I have a question. <laughs> if I can jump in, please. Welcome, beautiful. Absolutely. Yes. Good morning. Oh, my God. I'm so loving this conversation. I'm... So with regards to communication, and I love, you know, I'm fascinated by the transition conversation because obviously for those who know me, I'm in the relationship space and I work with a lot of people who are coming out of a relationship and those that are looking for a new one. Um, I'm going to give a personal example. I, you know, there are some people in our lives who I, I don't say we want to fix, but you know, we want them to do better. We, 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 we have a vision for them that they don't see, right? And then sometimes that energy of investing into a human being we care about, yet it's like they don't care as much about themselves as you care about them. And it's not, I understand it's not my responsibility to make someone happy and I can't make somebody do something. But at what point do you do you sever a relationship where you're thinking, my goodness, uh, this, this person is this person, right? And that's who they are. And no, no amount of pouring in suggestions, motivation, uplifting is going to necessarily, you know, help. But yet as a helping professional, I'm thinking, what, what do I have to do? What do I have to say? And, and I, and I think where the real challenge is, if someone, if someone's dealing with a mental illness, right. And, and that mental illness is preventing them to think with clarity and, and they're just really down on themselves. Right. And, and so there's this guilt that I, that I have about, Oh, I, I don't want to walk away from this person. And at the same time, it's really not serving me because they're not serving themselves. So that's my question. And it's something I struggle with, with, uh, someone in my life 
Um, and, and I'll just say who it is because he's not on Clubhouse. It's like the father of my children, right? Uh, my, 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 my ex-partner who has just never gotten it together. And I'm just, I'm just making that struggle of like, do I continue to try and be responsible or do I let him figure things out? And he's had many, many years to do that. So, so that is my question. It's such a great question, and and I, I love that you know Stephen and I really dug into this yesterday, and I, I ended up doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one sessions uh, yesterday during Thanksgiving that stemmed off that conversation. So first and foremost, I think what I what I'd love for you to consider is what is on your side and what is on somebody else's side, and that is a practice that I will that will serve you and everybody who's listening so 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 well when you. When your language travels over to another person's side, you've already set this up to fail, right? And so when you reach out, because you've got a good heart of what you can do for them, to them, because of them, blah, blah, you're way out of your bounds, right? Because there's nothing over there that you can do. You have no power over there. You only have power within. And the choices that somebody makes, right, you're projecting on why they're making those decisions. You're making the assumption that you know, and you actually don't know at all, right? You don't know why somebody does anything. You really, really, truly don't. Half the time, people don't even understand themselves why they do something, right? They just really live life sloppy as default, and it's just all over the place. And so for you, you have to bring it back to what is the outcome that you're really looking for? What is the true outcome you're looking for in that relationship? Because that first pin, that first pillar sets the tone for everything else that you're going to think or uh, put into a tactical approach is what is the outcome. And when a relationship is trans transferring, right, going from an intimate relationship, right, this was your, your mate, your husband at one time, you had children together, and then the relationship transferred into co-parenting, most people don't ever guide the trans transformation of the relationship. They just leave it out there to try to fix itself. And so what's worst is when you keep your emotional state of an intimate relationship, and now it's a co-parenting relationship. So emotionally, you're not set up to win in this, right? Because you have emotionally have to transfer your thinking into how do I think about this person as a co-parent? What is it that's on my side and my responsibilities? And then how do I have a conversation with that person on what they see is the relationship? How do they define it? What do they think the roles and the responsibility are? Um, and you know, this is this is this is something that's very active and, and live in my in my my world right now. Is I first sat and I asked myself, what is the desired outcome? How do I define the relationship that I want it to become, and what is the relationship that it is now, and what are the changes? What are the differences between those two points? So again, I'm just going to use an example. So if you're in an intimate relationship, well, there's intimacy, there's intimate conversations, there's physical intimacy. There's all of that part that happens in a intimate, right, sexual relationship. Well, those things are not going to be present in the new defined relationship of co-parenting, or I'm going to make the assumption it's not. There are some people that are out there that that still stays, but for the most part, it's no longer going to be there. And since we're no longer going to be communicating on that level, what tool are we going to use so that we can still communicate since those communication tools are going to be different. So those that's the structure that I'm talking about when we're talking about transferring relationships from one form to another. And I will say that 90% of the people that I work with do not do that, right? They just let it end and then they start shoving in a new type of relationship and the talking and the tools and the guidelines and the boundaries are not put in practice on how are we going to show up in this new thing, this new entity? Um, how does that feel? And I would love for your comments. Yeah, all of that feels and sounds amazing. And I think, you know, I, I it's almost a bit, not even rhetorical, because people don't get the context. This partnered relationship ended many, many, many years ago. But it's it's almost like, um, you know, when you, when you no matter, 
matter how much it's kind of like when's the when's the point to walk away because amelia i've obviously i i know what outcome i'd like to see and when you know that that outcome is not going to be met or that you're dealing with somebody that lacks communication because as you know this is a skill communication is a skill agreement if there's no agreement then i'm gonna that's my question is when there is no agreement and you've made obvious attempts um it, it's sort of training my brain to say i've done I've done what make, I could. Make right? the agreement with you. See, the other person doesn't even need to participate if they choose not to. You're making the agreement with self. This is what it was. This is what it is. This is how I'm going to show up with what it is now. This is what you will and you will not do, right? You're having the agreement with yourself. Yes, right? that's, so, that, that's the actual struggle is for me to stop Yep. Stop being over there and being concerned about something Correct. I can't control. Correct. Because, uh, right. Yep. Because as a parent, you know, again, an outcome, Amelia, is I'd like to have my children have a role model of X. And that and that's my desire for them. So maybe it's a conversation with my children to say, hey, and they and they yes. will. They're going mm -hmm. to have a role model. But the X role model that you want is going to come from somebody different. And so that conversation with your children to say, hey, listen, I'm sure that you're aware, right, that things are not ideal. And so tell me what you think is not ideal about these circumstances. And they're going to talk. And then you're going to go, well, let's talk about the positive about this, right? So my, my kids are also, right? So I, I, I co-parent with my, my, my ex, with my children. And when my kids are like, oh, you know, my friends, their parents have been together for a million and one years and I come from, from a divorced home. I'm like, that's, that's absolutely true. I go, so what is annoying about that? So I'll tell you, my daughter will tell you, cause she's very vocal. She doesn't like the switching of the homes, right? She doesn't like the switching of the homes. And I'm like, oh, that could really be awful because there's always something on the other side. And so leaning in to say, okay, but how do we make that a positive? How do we make switching homes a positive? I go, what is it something that your friends have that is a positive that you don't have? Well, she has two rooms, right? She has the, um, the, the curiosity and the, the spur of change. She has like a break from one to the other. Like, all, so I help, helped her walk through the positives, not just the negatives, right? So young people have a really tough time seeing the positives that are in um, a situation, right? So you're guiding that. And then when she gets to the point where from me, maybe, right? So as, as uh, for me as a role model, um, I don't role model for her a stay-at-home, consistent, when she gets home, I'm always there type of mother. That's just, that's the reality. It's not. And so I was like, okay, who can role model that for you, right? So Stacy in her life role models for her that type of woman. And that woman is very important in my daughter's life so that she can touch it and, and play with it and, and see what the positives are in it and experience that. And now I role model her a different type of woman. And so you can put different role models intentionally in your children's lives so they can experience it and then choose what works best for them. Does that make sense? Oh my God. I'm being mindful of the time. So, so, so valuable. Everybody's got to like lean into this conversation. I love it. And I'm so excited about what we're going to be working on in, in the context of relationships. So this is so invaluable. Thanks guys. Love it. I can't wait. I'm so excited. And Karma's super genuine, Amelia. She just texted our, our back chat and just said she loved you. So I just wanted Oh my to God. I have such a girl crush on her. It's not even funny. Right. So I loved her when I was on Clubhouse. And then I started following her on Instagram. And I don't know if anybody, you got to follow. She's stunningly gorgeous. Like the more you look at her, the prettier she becomes. I'm like, Aww. oh my God, you're just gorgeous. Just, I, I just, I do. I love your, love your heart. I love your spirit. I love the way you show up. You are an incredible, incredible, incredible superhuman. And so I'm so excited to be able to be start working with you. And I love this space of relationships because there's just so many tools that I can add on for your incredible work of what you do because we all need it um and i think it just becomes more enriching because like just like like sean and randy and i were saying when we started this conversation it's literally just a lack of school of tools that we need in order to 
you know, get where we want out of the relationships up in our life. We're not taught in school how to build substance. We're not taught in school how to transfer relationships. We're just not taught about how to lean into these conversations. And that's what the whole uh, genius key and behavior is all about. So um, I'm so excited. I hope this was valuable for everybody. Sean and uh, Randy, thank you. For, I had such technical problems. It wasn't even funny. Um, and I'm so thankful for you guys. You guys make me such a better person. It's not, it's just, I am so, so grateful for you guys. Well, we love you, and um, I, I'm thankful for this room. I'm thankful for the Breakfast of Champions. I'm thankful for the questions that were asked. I'm thankful for Randy. Um, thank you, and have a great weekend. I agree. Love you to death. You know that, Amelia. You're just the best. I love you guys. Love you. I think I'm sending it back to Sarah. I'm not sure if I'm Mr. Elder is here today. Yeah, yes. I'm here. Hi. Oh, good morning, Dave. I'm I, I'm so grateful for you, my brother. You are you are just you heal my soul. That I'm still holding that hug that you gave me uh, in, in Kentucky with, with dear oh. to my heart. So thank you so much, sir. On this day of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, I bow my head and I am so grateful for you, Mr. Meltzer. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.